Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Wednesday, we launched into the Lenten season, Ash Wednesday. Our team put together, I'm so proud of our team, a wonderful experience. And it launches us into Lent, which means springtime. It's a season of returning to God. It's a season of new life. It's a season of uh, praying for breakthroughs, of fasting and weeping over, gosh, I don't want to be this way, Lord. I want a new life. I want a breakthrough. I want healing. I want newness of life. And so today, this Sunday, leading up to Easter, we're starting a brand new series out of the Gospel of John, snapshots in the Gospel of John, and looking at it through the lens of love, that love never fails, that Jesus never fails. And today, John chapter 11, if you have a Bible, I'm going to have you open it. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm going to read it because it's, it's long, 44 verses, so bear with me. But I think I, I need to read it. And thanks to my wife for the re- letting me borrow your reading glasses. Wow. I'm not trying to make a a style statement this morning with my wife's glasses. Here we go. John chapter 11. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Verse 5. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, He stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there's danger of stumbling because they have no light. And then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. And then Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. And when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been 
in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, yes, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And then Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I, I have always believed you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. And then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside of the village at the place where Martha met him. And when the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. And when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. And they said, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a, stole, a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. And then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. The word of God, let's jump into it. Um, there's a pastor in New York City, John Tyson. I think he's the pastor of City Church. Uh, I read a quote that he came out with this week, and this is what he wrote. He said, we've tried, everything to to, we've tried everything to help raise Gen Z, 
meds, counseling, therapy, listening, affirmation, and care. But as a whole, things seem to be getting worse. Now just sit in that quote. Describing a generation, and I think not just describing Gen Z, I, I think that there is in our world this kind of sense of are things getting better or are things getting worse? And the word of God has a solution, not just for Gen Z, but for all of us this morning. In fact, if you flip to the end of John's gospel in chapter 20, I love how John writes this. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Stop. Jesus did things that aren't recorded in the Bible. We don't, we, we don't have a record of everything he did. That's what John is saying. He was a, had a front row seat, eyewitness. Verse 31, but these are written. These are written, why? That you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life. You may have life in his name. Life, life to the fullest, life abundant, life that is flourishing, life that is thriving. Who doesn't want to flourish, to thrive? a full and meaningful life, an abundant life. I think all of us would raise our hand and say, give me some of that. I want more of that. Gen Z, are you listening? And so the question becomes for each one of us, where are we looking for life? Why is it that our lives are getting worse? We're trying all these other things, looking for life in all of these other places, and life seems to be getting worse worse, not better, and yet we have a book called the Bible that says, let me, let me show you where life is found. It's found in the life and in the words of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 66, verse 2. It's a verse I want you to underline when you go home if you didn't bring a Bible with me. Isaiah says this. It's, from, it's, it's words from God. He says, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word. I want you just to think about that for a moment. Do you want God's favor on your life? Do you want to flourish? Do you want to thrive? Do you want to experience the blessing of God on your family, on your marriage, on your business? Do you want to experience God's favor? He says this, I will bless, that's a promise, I will bless those who have humble and contrite, broken hearts, who tremble at my word. That word tremble means to take it seriously and to live it out, not just become a theologian or go to Bible college or go to seminary, that word to tremble at the word of God is to go, wow, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to allow the word of God to be the authority in my life to tell me the truth about life and how to live it. And so we come to this passage in John, 
And I urge you right here in this moment, it matters how you hear God's word with an eagerness, with a a contrite, humble heart, with a hungry heart. I like to remind our staff, we want to always be with a posture of, we want to be humble and we want to be hungry. We want to be humble and we want to be hungry. And I want to say that to all of us this morning, be humble and be hungry for more of God in your life. And so let me just, three little reflections on this passage we read in John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus and Mary and Martha and Jesus. The first reflection is, I want to encourage us to trust in God's timing. I want you, wherever you are in your life, I want you to, I want you to this, is, this, is a, this is kind of graduate level faith, what we're going to talk about right now. Did you notice when I read the story, John 11, that first part? So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend, maybe your best friend, he's very sick. And then verse 5, it says, so although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Who does that? You hear your friend is on their deathbed. You get the email. You get the text message. And you go, okay. And you stay where you are. Wouldn't you think, well, now, if Jesus and Lazarus are so close, your dear friend Lazarus, if you guys are buddies, if you're really close friends, Jesus, aren't you going to stop what you're doing? Aren't you going to hurry back and help be part of the solution? Help be part of the healing? Help prevent Lazarus from dying? You would think Jesus would respond that way, wouldn't you? But he doesn't. And Lazarus died. Now push pause and put yourself in the place of Mary and Martha. What are you feeling? How's your faith in Jesus? Is he loving? Is he caring? Is he compassionate? How come he's not cooperating with your will and your ways and your prayers, right? Hey, Jesus, the one you love is sick, and yet you stay? You ignore the situation? Don't you care? Don't you care? Don't you care? And I'm just thinking that you and I, right here in real time, some of you right now, are praying, hey, Jesus, the cancer. Hey, Jesus, my sister. Hey, Jesus, I'm still single and I don't want to grow old alone. Hey, Jesus, it's urgent. My marriage is falling apart. Do some, Hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, help me. And you get silence. And you wonder where God is. And you're waiting. And you're waiting. And you're praying. And you feel like your prayers are just hitting the ceiling. Any person of faith has been in this space if you've been walking with God for any length of time. And how do we navigate 
these times when we feel like God is silent, when God is absent, when God's ignoring us. Because that's what it feels like when you're praying prayers of desperation for help and the help doesn't come. It's kind of when God's timing and your timing don't seem to be synced up, right? I read a story this week about Kate and Mary Jackson. It was back in 1910, a little town outside of London, a town that was very poor. Uh, everybody, the whole town was living at the poverty level, and these two women, Kate and Mary Jackson, they went and they served with the Salvation Army and that ministry. And the story goes that they were, they were devoted, all in, working hard, early mornings, late nights, feeling exhausted, and nothing was happening, no breakthrough, no kind of God moment, no like evidence that God was actually working through them. And so they wrote the founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth, they, they, they wrote him a letter and they said, would you please move us to another station? We are so tired and disheartened. We have tried everything that we've been taught to do and nothing's happening. So please move us to another location. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, sent them a telegram back with two words. Try tears. Huh? Try tears. And they did. Tears, prayers of anguish, heartfelt prayers that bring you to tears. That's what they did. And as the story goes, they saw renewal, revival, breakthroughs happening in and through their ministry. John Tyson goes on to write this. If you need God to move in your family, try tears. If you have kids struggling to walk with Jesus, try tears. If you have heart, if, if your heart feels cold and your faith feels weak, Ask for his mercy and ask for tears. It's time that we try tears. John chapter 11, verse 33, 35 and 6, when Jesus saw her, Mary, weeping tears and saw the other people wailing with her tears, a deep anger a deep anger welled up within him. That's interesting, isn't it? And he was deeply troubled. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Tears, Jesus wept. Try tears. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. A lot of Pastors, scholars, theologians make this connection, and it's an important one. Jesus weeps with us. He cares about what is causing those tears in your life. What's he angry about? Why is he deeply troubled? 
Why does he come with anger? Most scholars agree that Jesus is angry and sad about death. It was never meant to be this way. God did not make the world with Alzheimer's. God did not make the world with cancer, with abortion, with racism, with gun violence. And we could just kind of list, God did not make, Jesus is deeply troubled about death, about sin in the world, about evil in the world. And he's looking at his friend who has died and he's troubled and angry because this is not the world that God had in mind. He sees your tears. Whatever it is that's crushing you, that disappointment, that setback, that heartache, that prayer that keeps hitting the ceiling. And I was soaking in this passage all week. And I have to tell you, this just is kind of the, the uh, I don't know if it's the cynical side of John Ireland. But there's a part of me I'm, I, I want to say to John Tyson, really? Try tears? Dude, have you ever prayed for years and years and years to have a baby and you never get pregnant? Try tears? Have you ever prayed for your kid that got cancer and, and, and you're thinking God's going to heal that child and doesn't and they die? Try tears? And you just fill in the blank. And that, I guess, takes us back to the bigger question. What do we do? What happens when the tears don't work? There are people in this church that have been praying for decades for something. What happens when those tears don't work? And I think that goes back to the point. I must, you must trust God's timing. Can I trust God? Can I trust that he's writing a bigger story when I face death and setback and crushing disappointment? Can I trust that my story isn't over until Jesus says it's over? And it might seem like it's over based on what you and I see. But this story of Lazarus, it reminds us that Jesus can reverse the irreversible. Jesus can reverse the irreversible. And I don't know why, but sometimes Jesus does reverse the irreversible. And you know what? Sometimes he doesn't. And that's part of the mystery of our faith. God isn't like our little maid that we tell what to do, or a little robot that we have on computer and he just follows whatever we say. There is mystery, but we pray and we cry out and sometimes the mercies of God fall on us and on those that we're praying for. And sometimes they don't. And why and why not? I don't know. So what do we do with this? The conclusion that I came to this week is let's try both. <laughs> let's try tears. Prayers of anguish, they matter. And they make a difference. Let's try tears, but let's also trust God's timing. Let's also trust God's timing when he does not reverse the irreversible. Second reflection is let's trust in his truth. 
Isn't it interesting that Jesus relates to Mary with tears, but he relates to Martha with truth? They both say, don't you care? They both have the same, don't you care? And he responds and relates and connects with Mary with tears, but with Martha, he responds with truth. In a sense, if you read between the lines, Martha's just crying out, just tell me the truth, Jesus. What happens after, what's going to happen now with my brother? I mean, I know you can raise him, he'll be raised, but what? And Jesus responds to her with this statement that's so powerful. I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That's a promise. And then he asks the question to Martha that he asks you and me this morning. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you? Right here in Santa Barbara, right here at Ocean Hills Church, do you believe the truth that what Jesus said is true, that there is resurrection, that there is life after death? And she responds, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God who's come into the world. Notice, 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 notice what you notice, notice what you notice. She doesn't say, I understand everything. I don't have doubts anymore. I got no more questions. I get it. That's not what she says. In that moment, with as much faith that she has, she says, yes. Yes, I believe. Faith means putting your trust in God and having the confidence that he will fulfill his promises. Faith means putting your trust in God. When Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life, and whoever, that means you and me, whoever believes in me will live even though they die, that there is life after death. Faith means putting your trust in God and having confidence that he'll fulfill that promise, that it's true. Can you trust in the truth of God's word this morning? Will you trust? Even when you don't feel it, even though you got questions, even though there's still some doubts, I still got questions, I still have doubts. But I believe, I put my weight on the truth that Jesus is who he said he was. And what he said is true. And for some of you this morning, there's somebody in here maybe wavering on that. Well, I don't know. I was raised this way, but boy, I look at the church and I got real problems with it. Yeah, we all got problems with the church, by the way, okay? Don't evaluate your faith on the church. Look at the person of Jesus. Look at the truth of his word and trust, trust, trust in Christ for salvation, for life after death. For eternity. All right, last point, last reflection. Trust in God's power to work through you. Trust in God's power to work through you. John eleven thirty eight 38 to 44. When Jesus said he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Notice verse 39. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, she protested, Lord, 
He's been dead for four days. The smell will be, te- the smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and he prayed, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told who? Them. Unwrap him and let him go. Two quick thoughts. Two things I noticed studying it this week. Number one is in verse 41. Jesus prays. Jesus prays to his Father. And when you're ready to be used by God, which, by the way, I don't know that anybody is ever ready to be used by God. Most of us feel unqualified, disqualified, like I'm not good enough, I don't have the gifts, I don't have the abilities, I don't have the experience. So don't wait till you're ready. How about today you say, God, I'm willing. (laughs) I'm not ready, but I'm willing. I'm willing to be used by you to help my community, my family, my workplace, my friendships to grow closer to you, to help my community find and follow the life giver, Jesus. Jesus prays to his Father, and it just reminds me that the work is God's work, not my work. So as I want to be, I'm willing to be used by you, God, but you got to do the work. You're the one who brings salvation. You're the one who changes a person's heart. You're the one who opens the eyes of people's faith. And so begin with prayer. If you're willing to be used by God, start with prayer. Before you walk into work, God, as I walk into work today, give me eyes to see the person who's hurting. Give me a heart that's compassionate to to not be so distracted that I don't see and respond with compassion to the person that's hurting. Maybe it's right in front of you in your own family. God wants to use you to be part of his mission on planet Earth. The question you have to respond to is, are you willing? Are you willing to let God use you? But now don't miss the second part of this, and that is I noticed two times it says Jesus told them, Roll the stone aside and take off the grave clothes. Why? Why would Jesus do that? We've read throughout the Gospels. All he's got to do is go, boom. I say the word and that person's healed. I say the word and the storm is stilled. Hey, just boom. Stone, be moved. Grave clothes, come off. He doesn't do that. He says to them. He wants to involve his disciples, his people, in his search and rescue mission to help people that are spiritually dead find life in Christ, to help people who are messed up and stinky in the way they're living and the choices they're making to find freedom and life and get those grave clothes off. Let me close with this story. I put this a prop today. How many of you have been to REI in town? Raise your hand. I love REI. Now, I don't know. It's not, not going to be a secret after I tell this story. But if you walk into REI in the back right corner and maybe just a little bit this way, there's a, there's a, a rack, a shelf that is filled with stuff that's been returned, rejected, blemished, 
Somebody got it and they didn't like it. They turned it back in. It was discolored. It was, the zipper didn't work. The, whatever it was, it, it, it was rejected. It was returned. It was blemished. It wasn't good enough. So they returned it. So I went, went in there. And, and look what I found. I found Viore. I found Viore for 50% off. Discounted. It's like, dude, I love Viore. I don't care if you're blemished. I know you've been rejected. I know somebody's thought you weren't worth the effort and they returned it. I love you, Viore. So I bought Viore. We became close. I, I, we, we stay close. Viore and I are, we're stuck together now. When I was on sabbatical, I often went for mental health bike rides on my bike, and I put Viore in the back of my basket. Thought, hey, Viore, let's go for a little bike ride. So we biked from my house down to the ocean and then out to Montecito, over to the Biltmore, behind the Biltmore on that back road, and then turn left and then up the hill, past the cemetery back. And I get to the bird refuge. And I look in the basket. Fiori's gone. <laughs> I mean, did did Viore jump out? In a rebellious moment, did Viore, like, or did Viore fall out over a bump or a turn? Does it matter? Viore was lost, and my heart was sad. And I had a moment, real moment. This is what I thought. Is Viore worth it? Am I going to go look for Viore? Or am I going to just go, up? Oh, whatever. It was 50% off. He was 50% off. And I said, no. So I get back, I get on my bike, I go back, and I search for Viore. I'm looking in the bushes, I'm looking in the gutter, I'm, I'm looking under cars, I'm looking at people like, did you take Viore? And I go past the Biltmore, I backtrack the whole way, and I'm on the back side of the Biltmore, and there's a speed bump, and I see this pile, this blob like that. Fiori! I was so excited. I'm not kidding, I was like, Yes, Viore. And I come up, I ride up to Viore, and I'm like, man, there's gravel all over Viore. There's actually a tire crease on Viore. Like, a car ran over Viore. This poor Viore has been rejected, returned, discount, run over. But we're reunited. I am so glad we're close again. We're connected again. This is 
the invitation to you. God's inviting you and me, the Viores in our life, the people that we love, people that feel rejected, blemished, run over by life, invisible, lost, broken, people that no amount of, going back to the front, no amount of affirmation, care, listening, therapy, counseling, medication, no amount of it makes a difference. Love makes a difference. Jesus makes a difference. And Jesus invites his people, you and me, to join him on mission, to be part of a search and rescue team. Are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to trust God's timing? Are you willing to trust in the truth of God's word? And are you willing to go on mission with God? Let's pray. Band, come on up. Thank you for your patience. I know I've gone a little long this morning. But there's a moment we're going to have right now that as we worship, we're going to have a prayer team up here. There are some of you that are, that are in the midst. You, you've been trying tears, try tears. Today I want to invite you to come and, and receive prayer. Maybe it's the prayer of perseverance. We're going to pray a blessing over you to keep, to stay the course, to keep trusting in God's timing, to see a bigger picture. Maybe it's a prayer for healing. To a prayer of trust. Some of you been wavering and in, in not, not, not sure you believe anymore. And, and maybe today's the day you put a stake in the ground. You come for prayer and you say, I wanna I'm going to make a commitment to trust in God's word, the truth that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I want to be saved. I want to I experience eternal life. Come and just ask your prayer person, just pray over you to receive God's gift of new life. And then others... You're ready to move from consumer to contributor. To get on mission with Jesus. To say, yes, I'm willing, God, use me. Use me to disciple my kids. Use me to, to reach my workplace. Use me to reach my neighborhood. Use me, God. And so, Father, I pray right now. I, I thank you that the Spirit of God is at work in us in this place, stirring in our hearts, and that you are the life giver. Father, we turn to you for life, for thriving, for flourishing, for eternal life. And so come, Holy Spirit, come, and have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing. Let's cry out to God. Let's come for prayer as an act of response. Don't just hear the word, but respond to it. God bless you.